Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Hey, Steve or Justin, this is Blue from Texas. I'm just calling about ticker symbol S-A-N, Banco Santander. And provides unbiased answers. Banco Santander, this is a Spanish bank, one of the largest $68 billion market cap. The big question with these European banks is what will European growth look like? Talk, over 35 million downloads and counting. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-SHARK. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Friday, October 8th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. And Steve is taking the day off, so I'm closing out the sh- closing out the week for Invest Talk this Friday. And you're just completed the first full trading week of the fourth quarter. And the big question is, how did you do? In a market that continues to shift, uh, interest rates continue to grind higher. We hit 1.6% on the 10-year for the first time since early June. And we saw continued weakness in the tech stocks, the growth stocks, and relative strength in the value side of the market, the financials, uh, energy, especially energy today. Uh, So you continue to see this shift in market dynamics. Very different than what a lot of you are probably used to. Now, if if you've only been investing since maybe last September, it may be somewhat familiar. But if you've been investing for the last number of years, you're probably noticing a shift, a change. And markets do this. Markets change their colors, their stripes. They change the way uh, they change. They have changes in leadership. And certain strategies that might work in one market might not work in another. And that's why when you're looking at strategies, investments, you don't want to look back at what would happen in the last year, three years, five years. Because that's honestly relatively a short period of time. And typically market regimes last five, seven, ten years. And if the market regime has changed, which it looks like it has, you could be misguided by those recent past performances. So you want to make sure you understand the pros and cons of what you're investing in. And that's really... What you should be doing all the time is understanding the risk versus reward and weighing them because every single investment out there, every opportunity has risks and rewards. It's your job to not only fully understand both sides, but also to weigh them correctly. And if you do that time and time again, you will be successful. And that's what I'm here to help you do. Make smart decisions with your money on a consistent basis. 
And so on this podcast, I'm going to operate with my mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. And that is my assurance that no matter what I'm talking about, I'm here to present all without bias. Just give you the facts as I see them along with the perspective of over 20 years of investment experience. So I encourage you to reach out to me with your finance and investment questions, and you can do that right now during our live stream program, 4 to 5 Pacific time, or if you're listening after hours, no big deal. You can leave your message on our Invest Talk voice bank. Either way, that number, number never changes, 888-99-CHART. So let's head to our first caller question now. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Alan calling from Hayward, California. I just wanted to get your opinion on a company called Academy Sports and Outdoors Incorporated, ticker symbol ASO. Yeah, just wondering what you think a good entry point is and if you think it's a good business or not. Thank you. Bye. All right, looking at Academy Sports. And this is a name that has uh, gone up dramatically because it is right in the heart of the COVID shutdown where they sell a lot of outdoor equipment, uh, whether they go camping, uh, outdoor sports, I believe it's fishing equipment, boating, all of that. And so the question is how much of the pandemic tailwinds will wear off because pre-pandemic 2019, they only made 61 cents a share. So based on that at a $40 stock, that would be dramatically, dramatically overvalued. But this year, they're supposed to make $6.23, but down to $5.54 next year. And even if you look at $5.54, that's about an eight times multiple which is pretty cheap, to be honest with you. Um, but once again, how consistent is that going to be? Uh, and that were, that's, that's why I would not get excited about this name, because it would likely be, it's likely to be a version to the mean type of event. And they've been issuing shares in order to, who knows what, uh, re- uh, reduce the debt on their balance sheet. Uh, they have about $3.6 billion market cap. Doesn't look like they have much uh, long-term debt now. Uh, they've been using uh, that cash flow to pay down that debt since uh, the start of the pandemic. So that's been good. Uh, but ultimately, I just don't like the reversion of the mean risk and this recent technical weakness. It tested the 100-day moving average back in August, had a nice bounce to a 52-week high, but failed that high and remains below the highs in July and uh, June. So I'm going to pass on this name. I, I'm just the, the future is too murky uh, in this space. It's also uh, they operate physical stores, which we know longer term, you have secular headwinds against this type of business. And so it might look good in relation to current earnings, but I think you're going to start to trend back towards that roughly dollar share earnings that you had over 2019 and 2020. And so I'm going to pass on ASO Academy Sports and Outdoors. This is something you, you really have to address. Understand when you're doing your research, how much has the pandemic hurt or helped the business? And a lot of stocks look very cheap based on pandemic tailwinds. And once that wears off, how much earnings will they actually have? And they will look expensive then. And vice versa. Many companies were killed during the pandemic. 
And now they might look relatively expensive, but as they trend towards back towards regular earnings, they might look cheap. So you have to always look forward, okay? Now let's go to Bennett in Georgia looking at Qualcomm. Hello? Yeah. Looking Hi, at Qualcomm, um, you own it or looking to buy it? Could, uh, I'm looking to buy it. If you could tell me a good price to get in, I just want to get an initial position. Okay. Oh, this is Qualcomm, one of the largest chip producers in the world. Uh, one thing I like is that they're domestic focused and the fact that uh, they're one of the few. There's going to be a push towards producing more chips here in the U.S. They're, they're based out of San Diego. And we like this name and we do think it is relatively undervalued at this price. Um, it is in some support, although it has hit this area around 125 a few times this year. And the more you knock on that support, the better chance that it heads to the next level of support, which would be around the 114 to 115 uh, area. Around that, that's where I would be an aggressive buyer. Um, right now, the technicals are looking relatively weak, uh, although we do have a good long-term outlook for the company. Uh, but I would be a bit patient here and look for that kind of 110-115 range uh, to, to start picking it up, which is about 8% lower than here. So I like that you have it in your watch list. Uh, it's certainly a good business, a, lot, a defensible, defensible moat with their uh, 5G and 4G uh, technology and IP. Uh, so we like the name, but right around that 115 level is where we, get, we would get excited. Thanks for the call. Now we're moving into a short break. On the other side, I'll preview today's focus point and I'll summarize the market as well. So hang on, this is the Invest Talk. The Invest Talk Voice Bank never closes. I have a question for you about Amazon. So your questions keep coming. Question about PE ratios. And that's okay because Steve Peasley and Justin Klein specialize in unbiased guidance. If I'm looking at a dividend company, I'm looking for consistency of earnings and dividends. Your standard daily chart typically goes back one year. No question is too simple. Wanted to ask about Teladoc. And each question is an important part of the podcast. My wife has a role over 401k from a previous employer. I was curious if this is eligible to be used to do a backdoor Roth. Steve and Justin are fearless. That's fairly inexpensive for this kind of explosive growth. The problem here is that you're picking a leveraged ETF. Tell your friends and family members about Talk. You've been instrumental in my understanding how this market works. Don't forget to call Talk. 888-99-CHART. Invest Talk is here to help. And when you download the free Invest Talk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open 888 99Chart. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline why, is, why it makes sense to have a health savings account. We're going to look at that option and why it is important to consider as part of your savings vehicles. Also, we're going to look at the jobs number, what were the pros and the cons that came out of that economic report. Then, is the right is now the right time to sell your home? We're going to give you a little guide on what to consider if you're thinking about selling your home. Also, Ireland has signed on to a global tax avoidance agreement 
that will help overhaul global taxation and what that could mean for corporations more broadly. 8899 chart, 8892 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now let's look at the market. S&P was down eight points, very modest down day overall after a nice bounce yesterday, but uh, we talked about it fading late in the day and you kind of saw the same thing today. Up a little bit in the morning, but really faded uh, throughout the day and into the final hour. Uh, and you had a rollover once again in the tech stocks, the growth stocks. You had the COMPQ, the NASDAQ, that was down 74 points, about half a percent on that side. So you see that dichotomy there. SPX only down 0.2%, the NASDAQ down about 0.5%, the Russell itself that was down 17 points. So that actually had a pretty decent sell off as well. But you had uh, energy up. <laughs> almost 3%, over 3% today, oil hitting new highs. You have financials doing well. Uh, that was up about half a percent on the back of the 10-year. Once again, plumbing to, to new highs. Uh, it means the price of treasury bonds are going down to their lowest level since June. You had the dollar gaining, uh, actually weakening just a bit. Uh, gold itself was up on the week jobs report, but did fade throughout the day. So that was pretty interesting. We'll see how that reacts going into next week uh, when the shift tor turns towards what's the Fed going to say? Now that there's a jobs report out, are they going to hint at if that was good enough to continue to taper or commence with their tapering in probably December, but we'll see what that announcement will look like in November, but that certainly is going to be, uh, it's certainly going to be indicated by Fed speeches uh, up until November. The market's going to know well in advance whether or not there's actually going to be a taper or not. Now let's grab another caller question from 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve or Justin, this is Blue from Texas. I'm just calling about ticker symbol S as in Sam, A as in Andy, N as in Nancy, S-A-N, Banco Santander. I heard Jim Cramer talking about this on Mad Money, how it could bring, you know, Nair Lake returns. But I just wanted to know what you guys think about the stock and if it could be a potential comeback story. Thanks. Bye. All right. This is Banco Santander. This is a Spanish bank. One of the largest $68 billion market cap. And the big question with these European banks is what will European growth look like? And we've seen the European Central Bank be able to stabilize the banking uh, industry over the last number of years since the uh, last euro crisis. And Spain's financial situation has definitely improved uh, with the Europe as a whole. Uh, but this is definitely a high-risk bank because it is domiciled in Europe. Now, it does have UK retail banking operations. I believe it owns a a, a, uh, a domestic bank as well. I'm trying to remember which one it is here in the U.S. Um, yeah, so it's probably diversified. It, it is relatively cheap, but I don't know if I love the – the risk versus reward here. Now, technically, it looks fine. I think you'll do okay. 
I just rather own some of the regional banks here in the U.S. over a European bank. That's just me. Uh, so this doesn't get me too excited. You recently cut the dividend as well. Uh, so I'm going to pass on Santander. Uh, unless I have a bunch of regional banks, I wouldn't be looking overseas. This is Invest Talk. Steve and I thank you for downloading our podcast and telling your friends about us as well. We're heading to a break right now, but we will continue in just a minute. So hang on. Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. And of course, your calls are always welcome 24 7. Don't forget to call Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. And my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline, why it makes sense to have a health savings account. Now, we've talked about it a little bit here on the show in the past, but uh, it's always good to reiterate uh, this topic because it's very important to think about ways to fund financial freedom. And most people are focused on their 401k, their IRA, but HSA plans are or can be a big part of an overall picture. And what they are is they have triple tax benefits, meaning, meaning you contribute pre-tax dollars, your investments grow tax-free, and then you can withdraw money for qualified medical expenses tax-free as well. So that's the triple tax benefit. And it's not just for current medical expenses, but future ones as well. And what's great about HSAs is that they are portable. When you move employers, you can move them or you can have your own uh, HSA account outside of your employer. Now, the first question is, do you qualify? Well, you have to be enrolled in a health insurance plan that qualifies as a high deductible plan. Now, what does that mean? 2022, a high deductible plan will be $1,400 for a self-only insurance plan and $2,800 for a family plan. Your plan's out-of-pocket maximum cannot exceed $7,050 as an individual or $14,100 for a family. You can also you cannot also be a dependent on a tax return or enrolled in Medicare. So you can't be in Medicare or you can't be a dependent for somebody else that is filing a tax return. Okay. So for those that uh, are just out of college, maybe you're still a dependent for your parent. Uh, usually you can do that up until uh, uh, you're age 25. Uh, you can't contribute to an HSA. Now, what is the maximum HSA contribution for 2022? $3,650 for an individual, $7,300 for a family plan. If you're over 55, you can add another 1000 on top of that each year. What, you, what can you spend it on? Well, qualified metal, medical expenses, typically dental, vision, uh, prescriptions, going to the doctor, etc. Check the IRS website. Make sure that what you're spending it on is qualified because if not, you pay a 20% penalty along with taxes that you'll owe as well, uh, which you haven't paid. Remember, you're putting the money in pre-tax. Now, where should you open an HSA account? Well, there, there are about a dozen 
big, large HSA uh, custodians. Fidelity's one. There's HSA Bank, Health Equity, uh, Optimum, Bank of America has one, Health Savings. So there, there are, are a bunch of them. Just do a little research. Find one that works best for you. And your employer might contribute money to your HSA. So maybe just going through your employer's HSA plan, uh, the way they're setting up is probably the best default. Um, but if you don't have one, they don't offer one, maybe going out separately is a smart way to go. And some very interesting things about HSAs, they're kind of like a retirement account because after the age of 65, you can take the money out penalty-free for non-healthcare expenses. So it's kind of like, an IRA where you're putting the money in uh, before tax. And then when you take the money out, you're taxed as income. And that's how this works with an HSA. So uh, after 65, it's a great augmentation to your retirement plan. And probably the best thing is it can cover long-term care, not just when you need it, but also to pay insurance premiums as well. So that's another way that you can fund your HSA, uh, sorry, your your long-term care insurance if you want to do it that way as well. Now let's pivot back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier from New York on 888-99 chart. Hey, this is Phil from Saratoga, New York. I had a question about the Vanguard ETF called Boo, V-O-O. I have money in the Vanguard S&P 500 index ETF, and I was wondering what your thoughts are on that ETF. You know, should I be looking to place new money into that year? time and time again. Thank you. Well, you're just looking at the S&P. The Vanguard S&P 500 ETF, three basis points is the expense ratio, so very, very low. The Spiders, the SPY, that has a little bit higher, I think. Let me look it up, 0.95. Yeah, so uh, VU is definitely the better choice because you're getting the same thing. You're getting the mix of S&P 500 uh, index. Now, whether that is the best time to do that or the best vehicle to own right now when uh, it's heavily weighted towards the growth side of the market, uh, which is not what I would recommend, um, is probably not the way I would go. But it, you know, your, your top holdings would be Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, Alphabet, Tesla. Some of those names I like, like Apple, Microsoft. Others I don't, like Tesla and Facebook. So you, know, you get a mixed bag there. And so I, I just, if you don't want to do any work, you just want to index, this is fine. But you can do better. Now, do you want to do the work to do better? Do you want to gather the discipline? Do you want to gather the data? All of that. Maybe you don't. And maybe that's okay. You're just okay with having index returns. Sure. You want to buy into the indexing craze, which is over-allocated to, and everyone's in the same trade? That's what you want to do? Fine. Didn't work out for the Nifty 50 back in the 60s, but it's not a lot of work. Just not the way I would do it. This is Invest Talk. Now, if you've never called, why not do it now? I will be curious to hear your questions, whatever is on your mind. I'll be happy to give you my unbiased answer. Our phone lines never close at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, 
It's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. No two portfolios are alike, and every investor has a unique set of circumstances. The best way to get answers that correspond with your situation is for you to submit your questions to Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. The 24-hour listener line never closes, so don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Head over to Toronto and talk with Sid looking at Pfizer. Hi, Justin. How are you? Doing pretty well. Do you own it or looking to buy it? I was owning it last year, uh, but with uh, some profit, I cut my portfolio. And now I'm thinking that I should add uh, more. Plus, I was also looking at the earnings per uh, next year, earning per share next year. It is going somewhere $30, $32. Is it possible that much earning for a $42 stock? 
though it's a good long-term stocks and a lot of talk about the Pfizer vaccines and other things, but I just want to, before I take the position, want to take your uh, feedback and thanks for your time. What was your estimate on next year's earnings? It is showing me $33.74. You said $33? Yes, $33.74 earnings. Estimated, yeah, uh, that's EPS that's not what I'm seeing. Year. I'm looking at the average analyst estimate of three dollars and sixty-five cents. That's down ten percent from this year of four dollars and five cent estimate. That's up from two dollars and twenty-two cents last year. Obviously, that was driven by the COVID vaccine, and it's you know they're making money, but the question is how how much more is in the tank. Uh, when it comes to earnings on that front. I think that's one of the reasons why you've seen a rollover here, uh, along with the rollover in Delta variant cases. And so that's the issue. So it's definitely not $33, but $365, that would put the forward-looking multiple somewhere in the 15 to 16 range, which is relatively cheap uh, compared to most uh, companies in the market. Uh, But my issue with Pfizer is, Pre-pandemic, they were struggling. Earnings were two ninety two in two thousand eighteen, and it fell to a dollar ninety one in two thousand nineteen. So the pandemic has, has definitely helped them. In September, uh, the third quarter of September, uh, third quarter of two thousand nineteen, revenues are down twenty three percent. Earnings down thirty four percent. The final quarter of twenty nineteen, revenues down twenty five percent. Earnings down forty three percent. And that's really my issue here: is this vaccine is. A, a very, I won't say one time, but I don't think it's really going to be this big hitter profit profitable thing because once you're vaccinated, you're vaccinated. You're talking about booster shots and all that, but there's already a lot of vaccine hesitancy around the world and continue to get more and more booster shots. I think for a small subset of the population, that's certainly possible, um, but I don't think it's going to be widespread. So I, I'm just not a fan of it. Now, technically, it is into support. I will say that. Uh, it has retested its breakout area. That is very common to be a, a place where price finds some support. And you're you're getting that here with a bit of choppiness over the past couple of weeks. But I'm not loving the fundamentals overall. Um, and if it breaks this level around 41, uh, I think it could head all the way back down to the mid-30s. So, yeah, just not on my top of my list of great opportunities in the market right now. Thanks for the call. Now, it is Friday, and I'm filling in for Steve, so as usual, I will share brief highlights of the newest KPP Premium Newsletter. It will be distributed to, subscribe to subscribers tomorrow morning, so if you want to sign up today, you'll get it in your inbox in the morning. Now, in the market conditions section, we explain that this week began with a rocky start due to the looming uh, debt crisis. Lawmakers are usually partisan on the questions of increasing the debt ceiling in order to pay off debts and continue funding the government. But on Tuesday, it was announced that the U.S. trade deficit hit a record high in August. Much of the imports came from businesses replenishing goods as they rebuild inventories. The deficit increased 4.2% to $73.3 billion, the highest since the government started tracking this metric. On Wednesday, it was reported that mortgage refinancing was down 10%, the lowest levels in three months. And the week wrapped up with lower-than-expected non-farm payroll numbers at 194,000. And the labor force contracted as well by 183,000, which we'll get to here in a bit. 
Now, in the portfolio management section, we explain that in our, on our daily podcast, people often call and ask about a certain stock that is said to compromise a large portion of their wealth. This is a frightening situation. No one should have any single company making up more than 5% of their investment portfolio. At KPP, we generally limit our exposure to 3% and maybe as high as 5 but we have a strong conviction, you know, if we have a strong conviction about the position. This diversification protects the portfolio from any single stock risk, a news event that can cause big price shocks. And as you know, equities can fall dramatically in one single day due to CEO leaving or a lawsuit happening or uh, a bad earnings announcement, whatever it is. Having large exposure to one position puts your portfolio in jeopardy. So there are more details as well in the newsletter. And in the stock section, we talk about the largest steel producer in South Korea, as well as we touch on a global investment bank whose history through its legacy firms can be traced back to 1929. It has institutional securities, wealth management, and asset management segments. And over three-fourths of the company's loans can be classified as either floating or adjustable rate in a rising environment. That is, that's good. So we named those in the newsletter. And in summary, there's a lot of valuable information within this premium newsletter each week. It's easy for you to subscribe to directly through investtalk.com. And after subscribing, you'll receive the full report each Saturday morning directly to your inbox. So that's the premium newsletter. If you want to head over to investtalk and subscribe, you can do that now. And uh, I'll be recording a video after this that will be included in there as well. Now, let's touch on that jobs report. came out today in September, created about 90, 194,000 jobs, the smallest gain since December of 2020. Now, there was a slight upgrade to the jobs number of August, up to 366,000. So that was, if you have to balance those out, it was not as bad as the headline number looks. Now, many workers gave up their search for a job, exited the workforce. So the unemployment rate actually fell from 5.2 to 4.8%, even though businesses are struggling to find workers. And this is squeezing supply of goods and services throughout the economy. Now, private sector employees hired at a, at a pretty good clip, 317,000. But the public sector, government, was where it fell dramatically, 123,000. A lot of it had to do with schools closing because of the pandemic. But I think a lot of this had to do with vaccine mandates on the federal level on these private sector individuals. So less people wanting to apply for those jobs and others leaving because they just don't want to get vaccinated. Now, in the private sector, several industries, including leisure, hospitality, retail, and factories, all added a decent amount of jobs. But once again, it was difficult to find good workers. And a lot of that has to do with the pandemic. A number of workers who cited the pandemic as the reason they didn't look for jobs rose last month for the first time since January, reaching 1.6 million people. And so that's a big fact, 1.6 million. Remember, our working age population is about 200 million. So 1.6 is about 0.8% of the workforce is just not looking for jobs because of that factor. The other factor, early retirement, a shortage of childcare workers. So women overwhelmingly 
are looking for work less because they need, they're staying home to take care of the kids. Some companies have voiced fears that workers are quitting rather than comply with uh, vaccine mandates. And the tightness in the labor force actually shows up in wage growth. Compared to this year, this time last year, wages rose 4.6%, and that's a pickup from prior months. And existing employees increase their hours. So if you can't find more workers, you know, well, you're going to work your current employees a bit harder. And that's what you're seeing. And the question is, are those inflation pressures going to influence the Fed in tightening monetary policy by tapering? It's a big question. We'll find out here in less than a month. Now, the labor force participation rate fell to 61.6%. That's down from 63.3% in February of 2020. Remember, nearly two percentage points. So you're talking on a 200 million workforce, it's about three and a half million or so that are not looking or are not, not in the workforce anymore. Now we know about 1.6 million of those are not, were not looking because of COVID, but the balance, a lot of that has to do with early retirement, baby boomers. So while the markets or the economy is trying to ramp up production, there's, they continue to have problems uh, with finding good workers. Now, the hopeful sign is that COVID-19 infections have declined in recent weeks, and maybe those 1.6 million people will get off, get off the shelf, get off the couch, go out and explore the world and be more comfortable going out there looking for jobs. Now, it is a busy Friday, but let's keep the momentum going and dip back into the Best Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier on 888-99 chart. Morning, Steve and Justin. Chuck, Clayton. Love the show. Hey, I've been costing in at Vail, Victor, Adam, Lincoln, Edward, for about the last year. Sold pretty steady, giving me a nice dividend. I'm starting to see a bunch of the experts talking about avoiding it. I'm showing this to make about $5 this year, drop down to about $3 next year, makes it trading about four or five times. It's about 1.5% of my portfolio, and I was thinking of upping it to catch it up to the 3% to be a full position. What are your thoughts? Look forward to hearing from you on the podcast. Thanks. All right. This is Vale, and this is one of the world's largest iron ore miner and a key supplier to the global steel industry. I've talked about this here on the show recently, but they're highly leveraged to Chinese raw material demand, and that's why this has fallen off a cliff because of what's happening with Evergrande and bankruptcies across the real estate sector in China. Uh, they're shifting their economic growth away from building and towards other other means of, of production and jobs and economic growth. And that's the worry here. Uh, and the fact that this, along with BHP, a lot of these iron ore miners are struggling to, to really bounce doesn't get me excited. I know you're looking backwards at earnings. I just don't see this sticking. Uh, and this is a very volatile industry. I've said this before. Steel is... Steelmakers, uh, providers of iron ore, they're price takers. Whatever the value within the market is, they're going to have to take that. 
because there's not a lot of differentiation in their product. And you can see that with earnings. Vale lost 33 cents in 2015. Then they made $1.86 in 2018. Then lost another 33 cents in 2019. Made almost a buck last year. Uh, this year, they're supposed to make almost $5 a share. Uh, and I think that dividend, you're probably looking at it, it's an 18%. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I think they're going to cut it. They've done it multiple times. 2014 through 2016, they paid no dividend. Um, and so it goes up and down, and you're not going to get a dollar sixty-two like they've paid out uh, recently. I just don't think that's realistic. Um, now it isn't a support, uh, but I would be looking to sell this position unless, for some reason, you think there's going to be some renaissance of building in the Chinese market that's going to change the dynamics of the steel industry there and the demand for iron ore. I don't think so. I think that G means it when he's talking about common prosperity, shifting the economy away from uh, building empty cities. And I'm just not a fan of those exposures. And Vale sits right in the heart of it. Now, on Friday, Steve generally makes time to fit in a quick roundup of key benchmark numbers. So let's hit this last this list for you now. The two-year Treasury yield up to 0.32%. That's up from last week of 2.66. So from 2.66 to 0.32. It doesn't sound like a big move, but that's a pretty decent move. That's the market pricing in uh, a tightening cycle, uh, an adjustment to inflation expectations. And you have that in the treasury market as well, from 1.46 all the way up to 1.6 on the 10-year highest level since June. Gold was at 1757, about flat on the week. Silver 2272, up about 20 cents from last week. Oil was selling at $79.40 per barrel. Last week that was at 75.6. Three weeks was only 71.9. So it's up over 10% in three weeks. I'm telling you, people. ESG mandates, the government policy, and the opening of the economy, it is going to create an energy crisis. It, it's so clear to see. Now, OPEC can open up the spigots. They've already kind of, we're kind of past that. They made that announcement. They're probably going to do much for a few months, those type of things. There could be some minor changes to the underlying fundamentals, but overall, the lack of supply is, is here. And the national average for a gallon of regular gas, 3.26, up to th- up from 3.19, $3.19 last week. Modest gain, actually, compared to what oil's doing. And that's why I don't think people are freaking out yet. You're not seeing gas prices really take off. They're up, but they're not super elevated. Here in California, the average was $4.43. I think when you see that back up, up above $5, that's when you'll see it more in the... Uh, the zeitgeist of what's happening in the country, that uh, there is this problem with uh, gasoline prices. Once again, elevated, but I don't think really breaking out yet. Now, for comparison, Oklahoma, lowest price in the country, $2.92. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. Work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888 chart Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck. 
because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we like to thank them for their courtesy by getting to the question quickly. So let's check in with Holden P. What are your thoughts on the booming space industry in this new space race? I'm 24 years old, and I split my retirement accounts into VOO and ARK, ARKK, but I have a small position, about 20 shares in all space-related stocks, such as Rocket Labs, RKLB. I'm young and follow this industry fairly closely and think the space industry will be pretty big in my lifetime. Just want wanted to know your thoughts. So first off, you're young. Uh, you're probably get you probably get excited about uh, the fun tech names. Um, I get it. You're probably new to investing, but I'm sorry to inform you, but you're entering the investment game when all this space is so over invested. I talked yesterday about the cycles of investment and this over investment and under investment in different industries. A lot of it's based on narrative and, and what the projections of the future will look like. Well, guess what? These fun tech names, the f- names that are invested in ARC have been over invested and the prices are drastically too high. So the first thing, sell your ARC. This thing is a dog. It's investing in crap. You see what, if you go look at its portfolio, it's just a bunch of junk companies. A lot of them are rumored to be frauds. It's just a lot of story stocks. That's not where you want to be. So that's number one. Now, VOO, broad, we talked about earlier in the show, broad S&P, that's fine. But Rocket Labs is right along the lines of those story stocks, all about the space industry. And that's broadly about the space industry. This is the last place I would want to be invested in. Because I look at it as the biotech industry to the extreme. And if you know anything about the biotech industry, they're always selling the dream. The dream that they're going to cure cancer. They're going to uh, have this miracle drug, blah, blah, blah. And all they do is they issue more shares. They burn capital. And shareholders just get hosed over the long term. Now, there can be bouts of upwards movement and and, and uh, uh, the stock going up uh, because of some narrative or the potential for a breakthrough drug or something like that. And that's what you're going to see in the space industry. And you see that with Rocket Labs. It was up because they had a NASA, agree- a NASA agreement to launch some satellites. But remember, this is very expensive. And when it comes to people going into space, I think this is the craziest idea that has come out of this whole last number of years. Because going and living in space is extreme, just staying there for a short period of time. It takes dozens and dozens of people, for example, to keep the people in the, the astronauts in the space station alive on a daily basis. And it's very hard on their body uh, when they come back. You see people come back. Uh, well, if there was an astronaut, stayed in the space station for a year, came back, retired. Too hard on the body. So this whole thing about, oh, we're going to go to Mars and we're going to go. It's so absolutely beyond crazy it's not even funny it's just the epitome of a story and i know it's exciting and i know it's sexy but it is so unrealistic and the business it's is so uneconomical so sure it could happen in in our lifetime but it's probably going to be we're going to be very old if it does and we're definitely not going to live on Mars. It's just so, it's so crazy to me. 
It's it, I'm flabbergasted by the whole space thing. It's such a joke. I know you're probably saying, tell me how you really feel, Justin. Well, that's how I feel. And you need to be, be down to earth. Literally. Invest in real businesses that are providing real goods and services to people that are needed. Going to space, it's not needed. Sure, satellites, things like that, that'll be continued, but that's been going on for decades. And there are plenty of satellite companies that are making money. Been doing this for a long time. Go invest in those. So I hope it's taught you a lesson, brought something to the forefront uh, for all of you. So thanks for the call, or thanks for the iTunes review. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. Now over 35 million, which you can get yours anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And if you leave your review and a question, we will prioritize your answer just like that, that review did. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.